section thirty two of a fair mystery this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. a fair mystery by bertha m clay section thirty two there is no true love except the love of a mother out once more under the pale light of the stars repassing the same road that he had trodden a few hours since so full of hope and love earle walked like one dizzy from a great blow the silent pitiful stars with their great golden eyes shone down from the depths of the blue sky the night wind seemed to hush the birds were silent the birds were asleep doris he cried in a loud passionate voice have you really gone from me doris it seemed to him that the force of his love the might of his affection must call her back she could not resist him surely the most pitiful cry that rose to the clear heavens that night was the cry of his broken heart doris sounded so distinctly that it startled the birds from their sleep but no answer came to his call how he reached home he never knew the stars were shining when he left brackenside they were shining when he reached lindenholm but he never knew how long he had been coming his mother looking tired and pale was waiting for him she had felt impatient with him before thinking that as he saw doris every day it was surely not needful to prolong his wooing until late at night knowing that she must sit up for him but one look at his face took away all the thought of self wonder and alarm shone in her eyes as she gazed at his drawn haggard features then as he had often done when he was a boy he knelt at her feet and laid his head on her knee doris has gone away mother he said when she heard that she knew all they sat talking mother and son far into the night and then mrs moray learned something of the passionate love of her son for the girl who had promised to be his wife in that hour his whole heart was open to her and she listened in wondering fear to love anything created any human being after this wild fashion seemed to her the most wonderful and most sinful it was a volcano this poet's love she laid her hand on the fair bowed head of her son it is the old story earl she said of worshipping an idol then finding it clay you think your pain intolerable impossible to bear yet it is but the same as every man and woman too who sets his or her heart upon a creature has to endure there is no true love in this world earl none she continued with passionate bitterness except the love of a mother for her child i cannot believe it mother you loved my father did you not and he loved you yes she replied we had a deep true loyal affection for each other but earl listen my son my first love was a young soldier who died in india and before he knew me your father had been deceived just as you are oh believe me turn where you will on which side you may there is no reliance to be placed on human love he bent his head with a moan that went to his mother's heart then why he said have i youth and strength and life if i may not have love i cannot believe it mother i love my love and i will have her i will search this wide world over but i will find her she is mine my promised wife her hands have been in mine i have kissed her lips and i would rather kill her and slay myself than that any one else should take her from me and his mother with all her severity knew it was useless to argue with him then nor did there come for her a long opportunity for saying any more that night she knelt by her son's bedside as she'd done many hundreds of times when he was a child she bathed his hot brow she made him repeat after her the simple prayers he had said as a child and when at last the deep yet troubled sleep fell over him she prayed at matty did god save my earl 
hard bitter thoughts arose in her mind against the vain girls whose falsity had destroyed him but the hardest thought the darkest imagination she had of her did not equal the reality which heaven be thanked she never lived to see on the next day earl was so ill that she would not allow him to get up whenever she went near him he was muttering to himself about doris and when he spoke aloud it was always on one subject going in search for her it did not surprise mrs moray on the third day of his illness to find him in a high fever and to hear the doctor say when he was sent for that he had but little hope of his life they for the time almost forgot doris in their fear for earl as the long days and the longer nights passed on and the danger increased mrs moray aged terribly the upright figure grew bent and stooping the grey hair turned white deep furrows came into the pale forehead her whole sole prayer was for the life of her son by her father's desire mattie went to lindenholm and remained there so as to be a comfort to the widow mattie never forgot those days the breathless suspense the fear the earnestness with which the unhappy mother would follow her about from room to room always saying the same thing never mind talking to me mattie pray for my son there came a day when the doctor said he feared no human means could save him when the white-haired mother flung herself on her knees crying loudly to heaven to spare her son she had preached in her stern cold way of resignation to others but in this the hour of her terrible trial she forgot all she besieged heaven as it were for her son even mattie shrank from those wild words let me suffer my god she cried send me torture and death but spare him let me suffer let him live i would give my body to be burnt my heart to be riven but spare my only son faint with the fervour of her own words she fell on her face and lay there until mattie touched her gently he is asleep she said earl has fallen into a deep sleep and the doctor says he has taken a turn for the better she could not thank god for her rapture of gratitude found no words who is it that says a prayer granted is sometimes a curse the time was coming when those who loved him best said it was the greatest pity that he had not died in his illness he would then have died with his mother's hope of heaven enfolding him earl grew better so slowly that the improvement could hardly be seen and during the whole of his convalescence his mind was busy upon the subject he would go in search of doris nothing should keep him from that neither remonstrance nor tears the idea grew with his strength until it became part of his life he had some little money money he had saved for his marriage he would spend it in searching for her one day when the doctor came he raised his wistful eyes to the kindly face how soon shall i be able to travel he asked not for six weeks was the reply and not even then unless you are careful careful he resolved to be and his mother wondered at his sudden submission and attention to the doctor's orders but much that was wonderful had to happen before those six weeks were ended there had been great anxiety at the farm one reason of it was that very soon after doris went the money came as usual and mark brace was deeply puzzled to know what to do with it he would have returned it but he did not know where to return it he took long and wise counsel with his wife but mrs brace saw no way out of the difficulty if we could but write to the person who sent it and tell her what doris has done it would be some comfort she said but we cannot do that even it was settled at last that the money should be placed in the bank to await the return of doris she will come back said mark some day when she has seen enough of the world she so longed for to find out how false it is she will come back when she wants true friends and true love though it may be a long time first after long discussions they agreed it would be better to sanction doris's flight than to call public attention to it 
there was nothing so injurious to a girl as to have it known that she ran away from home mrs brace said we must shield her all we can we must shield her even more than if she were our own so when friends and neighbours asked about her the farmer and his wife had but one answer to make and that was that she had grown tired of the quiet brackenside and had gone out as governess monsieur d'avers was the only one who persisted in his inquiries and he asked where she had gone mark who loved truth and hated falsehood looked uncomfortable then replied that she had gone abroad but for himself he did not know the names of the foreign places so it passed over the few who knew the family told each other as a piece of news that the pretty miss brace had gone abroad as a governess some said with her beautiful face she would be sure to marry well and then the matter died away one day mark returned home in a state of great excitement and happiness what do you think has happened he asked of his wife you have heard from doris she replied then for one moment his face darkened no he replied i have not heard from doris i wish you did not think so much of her it makes you dull i heard this morning that all the family were at the castle again mrs brace seeing that he really wished her to be surprised was surprised i am very glad they are back she said a great noble like the duke should live upon his own land that is not all said mark with irrepressible triumph i was walking through the market-place at quainton this morning and i saw the carriage with its outriders and footmen now what do you think patty before all the town the duke stopped the carriage and sent for me then indeed mrs brace felt deeply interested how could she think too much of a duke who stopped his carriage in a public market-place and spoke to her husband what did he say mark she asked he said that he had been away some months and he hoped we were well that proud beautiful daughter of his was in the carriage lady estella her voice is like a clear soft flute how do you do mr brace she said and i told her that i enjoyed the best of health hoping that she did the same that was rather free-spoken mark said his wife doubtfully not at all was a sturdy reply she looked pleased enough and then said how was the young girl you brought to see the castle i told her that doris has gone abroad to be a governess she leaned back in her carriage and held up her parasol was she tired of brackenside she asked and i said yes i thought she was is she married asked my lady i said no she looked at me strangely and then the carriage drove on it was strange altogether and then mrs brace turned from her husband with a sigh there was evil at hand she was sure End of section thirty two